Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Amen. You know, uh, it, Craig Holiday is my name, and uh, you know, it's it's an honor. Uh, I just want to thank Diana. Thank you so much for and the worship team. And, and can we give a shout out to the band? You know, a lot of people don't know this. As a kid, I played the trumpet, but I always had aspirations to play the drums. And I, and I was just watching this brother play the drums. And no, you don't want me to play the drums. He called me over there. But I, I so appreciate how you play. And, and so um, I tell you, that song that they were leading us in, His Goodness, it, it, I shared in the previous service, that it reminded me of a healing that Jesus does in John 9. It's only captured in John 9. It's the healing of the blind man. And it's interesting because, you know, I I say that, and, and I'll refer to it later on while I'm having my talk with you, but, you know, this guy, he's healed. He's uh, has this back and forth with the religious leaders. And eventually what happens is, is they throw him out of the synagogue. But that's not the thing that's amazing to me. The thing that's amazing is this, because that very next verse, it says, and when Jesus heard about it and he found him. When Jesus heard about what had happened to him and he found him. Jesus actually went looking for him after he heard about what happened. And and I want to encourage someone here today. No matter where you find yourself, Jesus is always looking for you. He's always looking for you. He's always looking for us. He's always looking to encourage us. My wife of 23 years, she left. She was here at the earlier service, but uh, thank God, Vanessa, I call her VJ, and that's a long story that I don't want to belabor and bore you with, but uh, it's an honor to be with the Epiphany family, uh, Epiphany Brooklyn, your pastor, Pastor Brandon Watts, love this guy and his wife, Ty, um, it just, Pastor Brandon and I met several years ago, and I visited Epiphany back when it was on Fulton Street. Um, not sure how many of you came. I know some came over, but I remember the first time I visited, and I, and I didn't tell them I was coming to visit. I just showed up, and I remember coming up the steps and walking in the door, and I had a suit on. So, if you, <laughs> exactly. See, he gets it. I, so if you know, you walk into Epiphany with a suit on, you stick out like a sore thumb. And there were three gentlemen standing there talking. And as soon as I walked in and they looked at me, they stopped immediately and started eyeballing me to figure out, okay, why is he here? (laughs) But it was interesting. I sat there, heard the message, was encouraged. I was actually coming to surprise someone who I knew was attending the service. But I also wanted to uh, hear Pastor Brandon. And uh, we developed this relationship, and I just so love him. Um, you know, I, I just have so much respect for him. And, and come to find out that his wife, Ty, I grew up with her mother. 
and her uncles. We, we found that out over a conversation. Um, and, uh, they, and she said to me, well, my uncles are so crazy. What's the deal with you? And I said, well, I went off to college and got refined. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, st- I'm still a little crazy like them, but God toned me down. So that, that was the difference. But, um, you know, I wanted to come to you this morning in the sake of time, and I'm not going to stay before you long. But I wanted to share a healing that Jesus performs. And it's an interesting healing because it's only captured in the Gospel of Luke. It's not captured in any of the Gospels, only in Luke. Um, And it's a divine encounter. It's a divine encounter that this person has with Jesus. And so I'm going to be reading from the CSB chapter 13 through 17. And it reads this way. Chapter 10. 10, excuse me, chapter 10 through 17. And it reads, as he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, a woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for over 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called out to her, woman, you are free of your disability. Then he told his hand, he he laid his hand on her, excuse me, and instantly she was restored and began to glorify God. But the leaders of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, responded by telling the crowd, there are six days when work should be done. Therefore, come on those days and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, hypocrites, doesn't each one of you untie his ox or donkey from the feeding trout on the Sabbath? And lead it to water. Satan has bound this woman, a daughter of Abraham, for 18 years. Shouldn't she be untied from the bondage on the Sabbath day? When he had said these things, all his adversaries were humiliated. But the whole crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things he was doing. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this healing. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence that's already here. It's been invited in here by the worship team. And, and so, God, I just pray, Lord, that you would take my few fishes and my few pieces of bread, that you would bless it, feed your people, O oh God. Hide your servant behind your cross. Let them hear from you, not from me, Lord. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you will give us ears to hear, an eye to see, but most of all, Lord, a heart to receive what you are doing in our lives and through our lives and for our lives during this season. In Jesus the Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so now you have Jesus once again doing a healing on the Sabbath, which gets him in trouble with the religious leaders. As you know, they had problems with him doing healings on the Sabbath, but he said he is the Lord of Sabbath, so we find rest in him instead of that particular day. But the story is surrounded around this woman who has been dealing with a demonic spirit for 18 years, and that's a long time. 
18 years that she's been dealing with this demonic spirit, and it's not a spirit that would cause her to run through the streets and act wild and like Jesus encountered the, the man in the tombs, but her thought life was off. It was demonic. And it got to a place where her thought life began to affect her physically to the point where she was bent over double. My question to you is, because we see her physical ailment, what demonic thoughts are you carrying around in you that we don't know about, that you wrestle with every day? And you've been wrestling them for sometimes a year or two. And just think about it. As my friend, Rich Velotas, I give him credit, he's a, a, a pastor out at a, a, a church in Queens called New Life, and he says, he and I were having a conversation, he says, Craig, we've gone through a CPR over the last three years. We went through COVID-19, we've seen political idolatry, and we've seen racial injustice all at once, and it's been tearing at us. And so that causes all types of trauma, unhealthy thoughts, unhealthy habits. And so this woman has been dealing this for 18 years. And, and, and it's interesting because a lot of Bible commentators and historians believe that this was part of her daily, her weekly activity, where she would go to the synagogue on Sabbath day. And she's been doing that for 18 years, looking to have a defined encounter with the Lord, with God hoping that he would one day heal her of this demonic thought. However, I like the way Charles Spurgeon describes her situation. He says this, if you can put that quote up. At any rate, for 18 years, she had not gazed upon the sun. For 18 years, not star of night had gladdened her eyes. Her face was drawn downward towards the dust. And all the light of her life was dim. She walked about as if she were searching for a grave. And I do not doubt she often felt that it would have been gladness to have found one. And so this woman is walking around, bent over, and it makes me mindful because in my community, in my neighborhood, my wife and I are sometimes driving, and there's a gentleman that I see every once in a while, and he's doubled over that way. I'm not sure what his reasoning for being that way, but my heart goes out to him every time I see him. Why? Because he's looking, his head is almost hitting the ground. He's so bent over. And I can only imagine this woman, and, and, and what I'm saying to you today is this. What has you doubled over? What unhealthy thoughts? One of the healthy habits, you know, I said CPR, you know, uh, COVID-19 and everything else. Do you not know during these past two years when it was at its height in 2020, 2021, that domestic violence went up in the home? I found it interesting that they decided to make liquor stores an essential need. And they kept liquor stores open so that people could medicate themselves by drinking alcohol. So alcohol consumption went up. So people can cope. That was one of the coping mechanisms. And that might not have been your mechanism, but my question is, is this. What did you use to cope with? How did you cope? Because all of us retreated into a cave. 
when COVID-19 hit. Why? Because at one moment you're, free, you're moving around freely and the next moment you tell, you're told you have to stay indoors. And all you're seeing on the news, if you were here in New York City, is that people were dying. That's traumatic. All you were hearing were ambulances constantly reminding you of what's going on. That's traumatic. And so I say to you, this woman has dealt with this for 18 years. But what have you been dealing with? What have you carried from your childhood? And I love this because it says that when Jesus saw her, he called out to her, woman, you are free of your disability. Jesus is never too busy for us. I just, just want you to know that because he's, he's in a synagogue. He's teaching and he sees this woman and he calls out to her. He's never too busy. You know what that reminds me of this? It reminds me of the healing that's captured in the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. When Jesus heals the man with the withered hand. You know, Jesus heals this man with a withered hand. He's in the synagogue teaching. And, and I'm going to read what it says because it's captured in Matthew, Matthew 12, Mark 3, and Luke 6. It says this in Luke 6. I'm going to read from our dear friend, Dr. Luke. In verses 9 through 10, it says, Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? to save life or to destroy it. After looking around at them all, he told him, stretch out your hand. He did, and his hand was restored. Did you guys catch that? I, I, I'm going to read it from Matthew and see if you catch it this time. Matthew 12, verse 13, he says, then he told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched, out, stretched it out, and it was restored as good as the other. Did you catch it that time? I'll read it from Mark. One person caught it. Thank you, sister. Thank you. After looking around, Mark 3, 5. After looking around at them with anger, he was grieving, grieved at the hardness of their hearts and told the man, stretch out your hand. So he stretched out and his hand was restored. It was restored. So if I'm looking at this logically, and even in my research, you can't restore something unless it had previous use. That's why you restore something. This man's right hand was withered. And the reason for that is, is this, when you do a study on it, he was known to be a stonemason back in those days. And because he worked with stone, he was very prosperous. He had a very lucrative living, but he suffered an injury. And as a result of that injury, he lost the use of his hand. See, you got to think about it. Back in those days, they didn't have modern medicine like us. Here we go get, we get scoped and we, get, uh, we go to physical therapy and everything else and we regain use. I was sharing with the earlier church that I had my knee scoped. I had a fully torn meniscus in my left knee. Got scoped. And when I got scoped, 
my doctor told me, he says, hey, uh, you, the athletic thing, and yeah, I know, but you, you're going to give that. And I said, doc, listen, my, my dream is to run a marathon. And I ran last year's marathon. I had the surgery in 2018, went through PT, got some coaches around me, and did what I need to do so that I can get that marathon done. He didn't have that. And so here's what I ask you. Where have you been injured? And it's withering away. The gifts, the talents, the treasures that God has given you, he blessed you with to use for the kingdom because you've suffered an injury. And one of the worst injuries I see amongst Christians is being injured by the church. And sometimes when people are injured by the church, they shrink back, and what they begin to do is not use the gift, talents, and treasures that God has given them to use towards the church. I love the fact that they're looking for people to uh, uh, serve on the worship team, uh, Chris, you don't want me. I, you know, you, you stay in your lane, you know your giftings, and that's not one of my giftings, right? And, and, and the events team, some of you that are sitting here right now have that gift, but you won't use it. Why? Because you've been hurt and you don't want to be exposed. Remember in the video when she was talking about being vulnerable? You don't want to be vulnerable again. But let me say something to you. The Jesus we serve, he wants to restore and repair whatever's broken in your life. He wants you to use those gifts and talents and those treasures and access those relationships that he's given you so that you can use them for his glory, not yours. So if he's given them to you, he wants you to use them for him. And so you don't want them to wither away. You know the old saying, use it or lose it. You don't want them to wither away. And so Jesus is never too busy. He was teaching. But he took the time out to address this woman who's been dealing with this thing for 18 years. The other thing I found out in this story that, that gets me is Jesus, when we have our own divine encounter with him, he restores our dignity. He restores our dignity. Listen to what it says. He called her woman. Let me set the stage here. Back in those days, if you had a disability, it's not like now where we are very sensitive or some people will say try to be politically correct when someone has a disability or something like that. Back in those days, they looked at you as if you were a sinner you were cursed, someone in your family was a sinner and it was passed down through generations, and who knows what they called you. So who knows when the last time someone had addressed her as a woman. And so, just like the man with the withered hand, just like the lepers, right? Remember the lepers? As they walked through the streets, they had to say, unclean. How would you like to walk through a crowd saying unclean so people would know you have leprosy and they all move away? That's what this woman had to deal with. So when we have our own divine encounter with the Lord, he restores our dignity. Those names that you've been called in the past, 
He wipes those things away. And what he begins to do is he gets you to look at yourself the way he sees you, not the way others see you. Because others will put a label on you. I remember as a kid, I would hear uh, people talking and it, they would say about someone, they would go, you know, that guy lies like a rug. You can't, you can't believe anything he says. Oh, that, that, that fellow over there, he steals. If you left biscuits around him, he would steal the grease out of the biscuits. That's how bad this guy steals. Now I'm dating myself because some of you are looking at going, what, what is that all about? But that was a label, right? No one would believe you when you talked about it. But God restored, he erases that. Jesus not only called her woman here, but he, as he closes out, when he gets indignant and upset with the, the, the religious leaders, he says, not only is she a woman, she's a daughter of Abraham. He restores her back to her proper place. And that's what he wants to do with us. He restores us. He gives us back our dignity. No matter what we do, no matter what shame we may have, we may carry around. When we have our own divine encounter with the Lord, he restores our dignity and he's never too busy. Never too busy. I just want to highlight this whole thing about the names and how they looked at people. In John 9, and I touched on it earlier before I prayed, in John 9, verses 1 through 3, it says this, and this is the healing of the man who was born blind. It says, as he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that, had, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. So I just want to bring some clarity. Not everything you go through is God trying to use it to bring about his works. There, there are some things. And let me say this as a sidebar. Sometimes we give the devil too much credit for things we do ourselves. <laughs> right? Let's, let's just be honest. We make some really bad choices and decisions, and we want to find someone to blame and take, instead of taking ownership. And the devil is, trust me, he's sitting there going, hey, I had nothing to do with it, but I'll take the credit. I, listen, you did that, but okay, you want to blame me for it? That's cool. But see, that's what they're thinking. The disciples even asked Jesus, hey, who, who in his family sinned? Right? Because they thought that way. That, that was the way they thought. And so we have to realize that Jesus restores our dignity. He's never too busy. He restores our dignity. But here's the, the thing, and, and I'm going to bring this to a close as a, because I see the time. Jesus sees where you are. It says that as he was teaching, he saw her. Now, let me bring this some context around this. So she's in a synagogue, right? And, 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 and just think about it this way. In a synagogue, back in those days, you would have the men all in the front. The women were in the back off to the side. And imagine she's doubled over. So I'm going to ask my, little, my sister, I was going to say little sister, I'm going to ask my sister Diana to come here. Diana, 
Can you tell me the person way in the back in the last row what they're wearing? Not at all, right? You can't even see close back there. No. But Jesus is up teaching. He's going in. He sees her. He sees where she's at. Jesus sees right where you are. He knows right where you are, what you're dealing with. Even the little prayers, he knows where you are. Her disability was physical, but it was caused by demonic thoughts. I know there might be one person in here, their disability isn't physical, but it's spiritual or emotional or mentally, and Jesus is trying to reach out to you right now. He's speaking to you. I want to bring this home because I'm mindful that so often we think, how long, Lord? Weeping endures for the night, but joy will come in the morning. And we think that our prayers aren't important to him or our thoughts and our longings. And, you know, the Bible says that you delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, here's the deal. When your desires line up with his desires, his plan, his purpose, his mission for your life, he begins to orchestrate things in the background in such a way that those desires begin to be answered. And I'll say it this way. Personally speaking, I've seen God do some amazing things in my life. As I was saying earlier, married 23 years. And I take to heart when, you know, I realize that, you know, I don't have any biological children. But God has blessed me with spiritual sons and daughters, little brothers, little sisters, nieces and nephews. Actually, my nephew, I'm going to call him out right now. You guys might not. You guys may know him. You may not. But I know he was working the, the camera earlier, uh, Kevin Joseph. Um, and I see, I believe I see his mom and his wife here. And, but God has blessed me with them. But I take seriously... When someone calls me their dad, because anyone can be a father, but not everyone can be a dad. And, and brothers, this is a sidebar. This is a sidebar. We are male by birth. We're men by choice. The choices we make every day determine what type of men we become. Okay? So everyone is not a dad, because being a dad is being active. We all, as males, have the ability, God-given ability, to be fathers. But back in 2013, 2014, a young lady started calling me dad. And it concerned me because, I, listen, I have no children, but, you know, other people. But she was calling me dad in front of people and everything else. And I was calling her my daughter. But she had a strenuous relationship with her stepfather, but she never had a relationship with her biological dad. And so I said to her, hey, listen, because I didn't want to step on toes. I wanted to be respectful. Why don't you try to reach out to your biological dad and try to make men's with him?
connect with him, see if he's open to establishing a relationship. Well, she reached out to him, and he didn't want to have anything to do with it. So you, you can imagine that here's a young lady who's reaching out to her biological dad out of a forgiving heart because he abandoned the family, and he had, doesn't want anything to do with it. So when she comes back to tell me, she's crying. And so after she tells me this and I encourage her and everything else, I get alone in my office and I'm sitting there and I'm going, God, how did I miss it? Why? I, I didn't want to cause this pain in her life. I, how did I miss this whole thing? And as I'm sitting there, God begins to speak to me and says, I needed you to see this because you're going to be her dad going forward. You're going to be the dad that she never really had, that she feels that she's been missing. Now, mind you, one of my prayers was that I would one day be able to walk my own daughter down the aisle. But being that I'm not a biological father, it's kind of hard to do that, right? But God knew that that was a desire of my heart to one day be able to do that. So when I, I, I know like my brother Ed, my little brother Ed that, that serves here faithfully, and he and Tisha just had their little one, and one day, God willing, he'll be able to uh, walk his daughter down the aisle. And, and I know my, my nephew Cassidy, I mean, my nephew Kevin and, and Kadeen, they have Cassidy, and she's, oh, she's so, what can I say? She's her. She's Cassidy. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I love, you know, Warner and, and Janelle, and God willing, Warner will get to do it twice. But for me, I realized, you know, God, all right, that wasn't in the card. But in 2018, if you can put that picture up, I had the honor of marrying my daughter. Not only walking her down, watching her come down the aisle, which... I found out later on that day that my wife and all the others that were sitting there was wondering if I was going to hold it together when I saw her walk down the aisle. That was such an awesome day. and We just celebrated August 17th, her anniversary, and her and her husband took off this morning to go on an anniversary trip. But see, I often say that God loves to show off. The Lord loves to show off. It's, we'll ask him for something, and he's getting ready to answer it, but he'll take it to the next level. So what does he do? I'm sitting there at the reception. My wife and I, and you know, I can just enjoy myself now because the wedding is over, my part is done, and everything else. And so I'm sitting there, and I hear the MC on the microphone asking for me. And I'm sitting there going, babe, what, what is this guy doing? What's he up to? I, they told me I didn't have to pray for the meal. They had someone to pray for the meal and everything else. I'm not sure why this guy is calling me. What is he up to? But little did I know. You can put the second picture up. She wanted to do a daddy-daughter dance with me. There was a little prayer. 
a little longing of my heart to one day be able to walk my own daughter down the aisle and experience what that would feel like. I say that because some of you are sitting here with stuff that's much more heavier on your heart than what I experience. And trust me, I've experienced the highs and lows of ministry and everything else and the traumatic experiences that we all go through. But my prayer for you is this, is that you don't forget the fact that Jesus is not too busy for you. Don't forget that. Don't forget the fact that he wants to restore and repair whatever is broken in your life. And he sees you right where you are. He hasn't missed you. I think one of the biggest challenges for us as believers is this. Because we live in this microwave society. If God says yes, we're off and running. Full steam ahead. If God says no, we'll come up with a plan B or C. And how do we circumvent this? But when the Lord puts us in a holding pattern, oh, we get antsy. And we feel we have to help him out. We go, hey, listen, somehow you missed this, Lord. Now, I've been praying to you for the last week or two, and you haven't answered this prayer. So I'm going to help you out. I'm going to make the decision. And how many of us know, and I'm the first one to hold my hands up, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'll say, who has done that? And found out that can be disastrous. And I thank God for his love that keeps running after me because it could have been worse than what it was. But because of his grace, his mercy, his love, and his sovereignty, he didn't allow what I should have experienced, experience. And so my prayer for you today is this, that you will personally have your own divine encounter. Whatever you walked in here with, I pray that you don't leave here the same way, but that you will leave here knowing that God loves you. He proved it by giving his only son. Jesus loves you. Why? Because he went to the cross for us. And he rose again. There's where the power is. Because if he would have just been put in the grave and stayed there, then he would be considered like everyone else thinks he's just another prophet, a guy who had a good story. But he rose. That's the difference. And the Holy Spirit dwells in each and every one of us that professes with our mouths and believes in our heart that Jesus is Lord. He loves you right where you are. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring deliverance. He wants to liberate you from whatever you might be feeling. And I'll close with this. We all have soundtracks in our minds. And we play them over and over. Things that might have happened to us, events. We can even hear someone's name and a soundtrack begins to play from the experience we had with that individual. And God wants to change that soundtrack. The Lord wants to change that soundtrack today. 
And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but what I will ask you to do is as you sit in your seat, if there's anyone who says, you know, Lord, I want to have my own divine encounter. I, I no longer want to walk in unforgiveness and allow the fruits of bitterness and resentment to grow in my life. I no longer want to feel this sense of betrayal. I no longer want to feel misunderstood because you understand everything. Lord, help me to get past this feeling of being deserted because you know what it is to feel deserted. On that faithful night, you were deserted by all your disciples. And so if that's you today, I want to personally pray for you. Can you just slip your hand up real quick so I can pray for you? I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. Jesus sees your hands. That's the most important thing. And so, Father God, I thank you for those who raised their hands. I thank you for those who should have raised their hands but didn't. I pray, Lord, that you would meet them in a supernatural way today, oh God. That your word, Lord, will just saturate their hearts. That your love will overwhelm them in such a way that they know that you love them. In spite of what they've experienced, in spite of what someone has told them about themselves or called them out of their name, in spite of how someone may have treated them, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would change the soundtrack in their minds, that they would begin to see themselves the way you see them. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who's walked in here, Lord, so broken, that you would restore and repair whatever's broken in their lives. If it's a relationship, if it's a marriage, oh God, I pray, Lord, for them today. And Father, I pray for those who may not even know you, Lord, who haven't committed and submitted their lives to you, Lord, and began to journey with you. Father, I pray, Lord, that this word will begin to speak to their hearts and resonate with them. And the longings that they've been having, what they've been searching for, they will find it in you, Lord. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, who feel that we are in a good place. I pray, Lord, that you continue to protect us and keep us and guide us, oh God, that we will continue to walk in humility and come to your throne of grace, sitting at your feet, so that we might be encouraged to carry out our days in such a way, Lord, that we're living them for you and not for man. We thank you. We thank you that we serve a God who not only hears our cries, but Lord, you are so alive, you respond to them and you act on them. No matter how small or how big, we know that there is nothing too hard for you, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus the Christ's name we pray. Amen.